everyone. This is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, Part 2. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. Listen or be dead. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that appreciates some good eyebrow acting my name is greg d and on today's episode we're taking out the garbage and getting ready for the holidays as we talk fandom film and silent night deadly night 2 but first let me remind you we're part of the boom howdy podcast network you can find all of our episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junket in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. And don't forget, if you are on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. So this particular episode uh, comes from our Halloween Palooza film festival visit that we did, and it's a little chat we had with filmmaker Justin Beam. Now, you might remember him all the way back from our Halloween uh, retrospective episode that we did, very exhaustive, just a fountain of information, and this was just a great chat that we had with him. Um, we talk a number of things, uh, obviously his work on the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 Blu-ray that's about to come out. Make sure you pick that up from Shout Factory, um, as well as just, you know, being a fan and interacting with all these people that we grew up with. Uh, but what you can't hear is uh, me getting lost in the just dreamy eyes of one Mr. Beam. Uh, we had a great time talking with him. We're going to have him on again soon. So we hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, apologize for no genius on uh, this intro here. It always weird. It is weird to, you know, say boom howdy without boom howdy. Uh, Could have probably put that in post. But uh, we will be back next week. So go. hope you guys enjoy the chat. Well, welcome back to our official first Halloween Palooza dispatch here at the Halloween Palooza Film Festival, where we have been here for, dare I say, a day and a half, genius. Mm -hmm. And how has your fest been so far? I'm having a fucking ball. Everything's been going great, man. Uh, the people have been super awesome. The food has been fantastic. Oh, buffets in the morning? Hell yeah, I'm all about the buffets. Buffets in the morning, buffets in the daytime. Buffets, buffets in... at supper time. Yeah. <laughs> buffets are plenty here in Otomwa, Iowa. No, I think definitely everything's been going well. Vegas of the Plains, baby. <laughs> and what stays here, definitely. Uh, but we had a chance, we did our live podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had a chance to screen uh, Jill Gavargazian's 42 Counts. Yeah. Uh, Hooker Assassin, Mr. Mr. Don, Don. Yep. Uh, and then also had a chance to sit in on Sinister 2 last night as well, which was a <laughs> yes. lot of fun. That was a, that was a good watch. It was a good time, but uh, definitely one of the things that we're going to talk about here, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know we love ourselves some of the boutique Blu-rays that are out there, mm -hmm. be it Scream, Shout, Arrow, Severin, it does not matter. But it's interesting is because ultimately I don't necessarily go for the, the new 4K scan or the 2K scan or this or that. For me, what makes or breaks my buying habits are the special features oh yeah i've seen you at like video stores the first thing you do is look on the back and like let's see what the special features on this one are i mean that's like number one man and it's sad with a lot of movies too and this is kind of embarrassing to admit but there are films that i have never seen before and yet like an idiot i will go to the behind the scenes which i know this is going to spoil everything it's going to take away that magic of that first viewing but the nerd in me the dork in me there's something i just want to know how it's done even before i've seen it which Again, it's something I had to work on, but that makes me super happy to bring in our first guest here. Mm -hmm. uh, he wears many different hats. Uh, those include writer, producer, director, moderator, so many things. Uh, you heard him on our exhaustive Halloween retrospective uh, way early on, and it's just it's nice to have him back. Welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, Justin Beam. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Dude, it's so good to have you back. When like, I mean, it really was when we were like, "Yeah, who's not going to be at Halloween Palooza?" And then just to be, like, "Woo, cool! Let's talk to him." So like, yeah, no, I'm excited. So before we get into all the good stuff, please tell our listeners where can they find you out on the social media? Please plug and promote away. I appreciate it. I'm just on Twitter, twitter.com/justinbeam. That's B-E-A-H-M and justinbeam.com. I have a few things sprinkled on there, but you can also contact me through that as well. It's keeping it simple. Yeah, that's it. That's the way to do yeah. it. I, I had too much social media. The 
the Snapchats, the the, the Instagram, the, Insta- the, the Snapagrams, and the Insta Twitters, and the and the I, Facebooks. Nothing makes me feel older than talking about social media and trying to keep up with it. And it's just like oh, I don't know if it's worth it sometimes. So yeah. it's it's good to keep it simple. Sometimes right. I need those filters. <laughs> That's where my head's at. Yeah, just like keeping it simple. That's, That's it. the way we do it. Yep. So number one, it's nice. And we kind of talked off mic. It's always nice when you've had a chance to converse with someone, even through Skype, but then having the chance to talk face to face. Yeah, when you can actually read someone, look sure. them in the eyes and talk. Where then you're waiting for that that little pause yeah, on the Skype, yeah. you know. So thank you again for doing this. Yeah, but of um, it's a really nice hotel room here. This is well, yeah. I was gonna say, and it always goes against. <laughs> we like to establish a relationship with our guests before inviting them back to the hotel room because we know. I'm glad I'm on the inside. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Well, it seems it's always going against like every parent's wish. It's like, don't go to a stranger's hotel room. Yeah. Come on now. I don't care what they're enticing you with. Because yeah. it's always feel bad because I was like, you want to come to the hotel room do some recording? You know? Yeah. So it's like, oh. Oh. <laughs> It's, no, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> we'll just do a hand check every few minutes. Exactly. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. All above board. All <laughs> above <laughs> board. There you go. Well, um, <laughs> It's like I said, it's really nice to be able to talk to you about on this, but you just finished moderating a Q&A panel here at the Halloween Palooza Film Festival uh, with Kathleen Kinmont and Nancy Kyes. Also, now is she going by Loomis or Loomis. Kyes? Okay, it's yeah. going by Loomis. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, which in and of itself was wonderful, by the way. So oh, thank you. No, thank that you on that. That's all done. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, there's, a, there's, I want you to give us a little insight because like I said, the first thing I look at with the new Blu-rays are the special features and you, and I'm so glad we have you on to talk about this because you are responsible for producing some of those in some of our favorite films, including one, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which... Harness! <laughs> love to hear, but, you know, you came on stage, you kind of introduced them by, you know, you're lucky enough to do this because of the relationships that you've been able to foster and cultivate through your years of doing all this. So, I mean, what was it initially that kind of got you started on looking into, like, producing some of these features or even starting that relationship with any of these, you know, people that we call icons? It began back when I was back around 2009, 2010, and I was working with Malik Akkad at Trankus Films. We partnered up on a charity called the Scare Foundation that, that we co-founded together, and it was combating teenage homelessness and poverty. I had met Malik because I reached out to him for an interview. I was going to do a piece on the Halloween 4 through 6 arc for Fango, mm-hmm. and we just hit it off big time. And so we started talking about and the conversation somehow led to charity. And that's when we started really bonding. And so we put our heads together on that. And simultaneously, uh, there were some needs that started to crop up within the company for things like social media, new media, and things like that. So I came in, what really opened the door to it for me, and I'm forever grateful to him for the opportunity, was uh, getting on board with that and then producing the four and five Blu-rays that came out. And I I did the commentaries on those. So I got Dwight Little on four and Don Shanks on five. And I was so thrilled to get Dwight involved with it. And it took a lot of, at the time, I had no idea what I was doing at all. So I'm walking in kind of pretending I know the game, but I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) False front goes a long way. until you make it. And sometimes, I think a lot of bands are this way and a lot of filmmakers are this way. When you're your first efforts, there's a raw energy there. There's an enthusiasm that you can't manufacture or replicate. And so it was my raw drive and passion for this stuff that really pushed me into it. And I love doing those commentaries so much. And then that was for Anchor Bay. Mm-hmm. And then that led to, I mean, I, I, I did, I met the guys from Shout Factory, uh, Cliff and Jeff at uh, Horror Hound, the one where Jamie Lee the one that Jamie Lee Curtis was at in Indiana, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But I was there, too. They, they had me there. And we started talking about stuff, and they, we were looking at titles, and it led to me getting on board with... I did Town the Dreaded Sundown <laughs> commentary, where I brought in Jim Presley, who's a case historian on that. And, nice. And the idea with it was he was to handle the case side of it, because the film's like a docudrama, right? right? Yeah. So I didn't want to speak just to the film elements... So I had him cover, speak to the case while I spoke to the film side of things, which worked out. That was really fun. Good balance. Yeah, exactly. Offer something a little bit different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that grew into doing, like, when Shout uh, Cliff sent me a list of titles that they were considering, one of them was Tank Girl. And I'm like, holy shit, Tank Girl. Because I'd been working with Rachel, the director of Tank Girl, on Tank Girl Book at that time. We were in, like, the early stages on it. And so it just happened, I'm like, 
you're not going to believe this, but I'm totally in the middle of this. I'm entrenched in this universe right now. That would be perfect. And so did that, and then it just kept on growing from there. So it all goes back to, like, you speak to watching the special features first. Think about, as a, I grew up reading Fango and Famous Monsters, right? And what an honor to eventually write for them. Mm-hmm. But the big draw then, like, we learned about so many films through reading about them first. So spoilers didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. The existence of the film was all that we needed to move into it, like to, to share a space with it. And that magazine is really what opened the door to a lot of that. So we knew the behind the scenes stuff before we saw the movie mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Now it's a little bit retroactive that we go and watch <coughs> the film first and then go back to the special features. But I rolled all this back to being a kid and sneaking my buddy's fangos into school because my parents wouldn't let me subscribe. And pouring over these articles on every little behind-the-scenes bit of how did they make this magic happen? Like, I was just so endlessly awed by all of film. And this magazine was like the gateway. So that became everything for me. Talking about a gateway, you know, how surreal is it? And this is something I always like talking with guests about, the ones that have found themselves fans first and then into the world itself. You know, do you still, is there, you know, like an 8- or 12-year-old side of you that still looks at this and goes, man... I did a, you know, I participated in a Halloween four commentary oh that's God. in so many people's homes. Yeah, you know whether or not they they may know it, they know you, Justin. You know they they <laughs> they have elements and pieces of you. I mean, it, to me, even just as a fan of itself, talking to you, I see it's kind of cool. I mean, do, do you ever have that side where you're like, oh, this is kind of weird? Oh, it's amazing. It's a it's a never ending series of just aha moments throughout the whole thing, and it's not it's not a starstruck thing necessarily. It's more like the hum- like humbled at the honor of being part of the legacy of any of this stuff, yeah. the tiny little speck that I am in the universe of any of these films, right? And to have my voice heard anywhere is less important to me than helping give others voice in that universe. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these films are underserved historically, especially when looking at from a retrospective per- perspective. Mm-hmm. For Fango, I, I get so much more joy talking to people like Crispin Glover, like... Elias Marige, who did Begotten and Shadow of the Vampire, yeah. or Jim Wynorski, guys like this <laughs> yeah. who, who haven't made much in these pages of these things. And it's the same thing in these documentaries where the people behind Silent Night, Deadly Night haven't had a chance to talk much about that historically. When I just, I just finished Silent Night 2 for Scream Factory, and the, the director finally, he was so elated, Lee Harry, to finally get to tell his story behind this film he's like I've been getting barraged with this opinion from a million people for so Mm -hmm. long now's my chance to finally have the mic and that's special to me that's pretty awesome that is well it's kind of funny there is definitely an art to not redirection but allowing someone you know give them just a little to go and then just take the you know to take a little, just, you know, feed them a little bit of almost like a line and then knowing what they can do with that. And, right. you know, it's always when you do like a Q&A, it's like introduce them to good topic and then let them do the work. Yeah. Not even so much do the work, but just that's, you know, what we're here for. Yeah. You that's know? It. It's, it's not about the moderator. Yeah. It's not about the producer. And ultimately, it's not even about the director. It's about the subject. Yeah. And the subject is what? It's either the film or it's the people in the film. And so if you're taking the stage from them, like today, I even I told this little story about my son because I was so like feeling what we were talking about right. there. I normally would never do that. Like if you read my articles in any of these magazines, I never include myself in anything. I'm invisible right. and I'm a very passive voice because it's all to me about I have the chance to present a stage to someone. I love putting the stairs in place, putting the railings in, laying the mic on the table and welcoming them up. That's my whole job. That's what I love. That's a fantastic philosophy. That is just how things should be. You know what I'm saying? That I mean, like, kudos to that. Cause... Well, I think there's a proper, and as you can tell, there's a reverence for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think ultimately a lot of the people that seek this stuff out, they ha- they hold that in reverence as well. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost, dare I say, tribal with the way that a lot of this is. And ultimately, you know, when people find a movie like Chopping Mall, you know, mm-hmm. with Jim Wernowski, you know, that's a film that I, on Vestron, I, you know, immediately when I saw they were putting a special edition out, I was like, oh, that's perfect. And that's almost like um, not even a deep pull anymore. You know, the stuff that's being released anymore, like Kathy's Curse getting, you know, the the treatment with (laughs) Brian Collins and Simon (laughs) Barrett, I think, doing a comment. It's like, what kind of world are we living? It's a great world, 
but it's just like it's it's kind of unbelievable now. You would never expect to see that growing up as a horror fan. You right. know, it's just like you would think like, oh, oh, that's cool. I wish I would learn more. And aside from like Fango, there wasn't mm-hmm. really that much. But now that these are coming back and people. Our generation, growing up fans who love this shit and want to find out more about it, and the fact that you catered it like that is just an amazing thing, you know? That's fantastic. And when you spend your life with something like this, the people who create them spend a, a, a short window of time with it, right? And then we live our lives toting these things around as we move. Mm-hmm. As we find a new relationship, we sit down that first night after the first date, we throw in whatever you know and it's just like we connect with these things in an infinite number of ways and it's so personal and so subjective that you can't pinpoint anyone's experience with it and so to have the chance to spend so much time celebrating these within yourself and with your friends and social events conventions where we all Mm -hmm. speak the same language and all this and then to finally have the bible handed to you many years later this is the golden age of physical media and the golden mm-hmm. age of celebrating celebrated re-releases that are expanded in a way it's the perfect time because our generation is the one that wants this stuff but we've had a lot of time to let this marinate with us mm-hmm. before the halloween 4 commentary came out we had all been watching this since we were kids i remember watching it talking to my buddy on the bus at the end of it like what are they going to do? <laughs> right? Like, what the fuck? Where does this go now? Right? Mm-hmm. And pouring over it. How did this How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And then the next time we watch it, there's blonde hair in that mask. Yeah. How, the, how yeah. did that happen? And all of a sudden, all these mysteries. And that becomes part of the dialogue. Yep. And so then you're now interactive with this film over decades, spending time discussing, digging in. The neck length on the mask in part five. <laughs> whatever it is. The, yeah. Whatever it is. You and your friends. You, you develop a vocabulary yep, around vernacular. your passion. And then to finally have the chance to have Silent Night, Deadly Night get the love that it's been shit on forever. It's been on these double disc releases. Yep. Same thing with part yeah. two, even more oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Part two has simply been piggybacking part one forever. Meanwhile, trumping it in terms of its legacy online and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm long-winded here. No, so no, apologize. you're good. No, 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 no. To arrive there at this point, at this age, after so long spent with these things, we're like at the perfect stage to really get the most out of that's how it was made. And like a reverence, you talk about Mm -hmm. reverence, to see the people and have the respect that you have as an adult versus like a 16-year-old, which is not to say 16-year-olds don't get it, that's just to say that we're ready now. Well, yeah. And it's a great time for it. And it also, what you're doing is you're adding to the lore and the mystique of the movie in itself. And also, while you're also peeling back behind the curtains on um, how it's done, some of the effects on, and what you're talking about, on really how it's done, it's just mind-blowing and some of the struggles that they have to go to. And so that's a very interesting fact. Um, Right off the top of your head, could you think of something you're like, holy shit, I did not even realize that on something you may have, like, while you're working on um, the commentary, something that just popped up like... Wow, that kind of blew your mind. Um, I can't think of anything that really blew my mind necessarily. I I, I research pretty heavy before I go <laughs> in. Like I, because I walk in equipped, and it's the same thing. Like we could listen to a commentary that I'm on. I don't make myself the focal point of it. I I, I want to keep the conversation rolling and. A lot of people, like you talk about a director, they could be very focused in their experience with the film. They haven't discussed it with anyone short of friends in decades. You've had the outside larger view to touch on what the fans are really wanting to dig in on. Like, yeah, but there's this thing about the white hair in part four of Halloween or there's whatever it might be. They might not even think about that. Like somebody posted on Twitter today. uh, This uh, about the mask in part that mask. That's why Mm -hmm. it's top of mind here. Is that. They had they said, yeah, there was the director, I don't think, even knew what was going on. And that's true. That was revealed in part four while I was talking to Dwight about the film. We get to that part, and I'm like, so, Dwight, you need to share the story behind this because <laughs> all of the horror world has been wondering for decades, right. why is this hair blonde here? And he's like, what? And he looks at it, he's like, oh, my God, it is. And he goes, I wish I had a cool answer for you. I just don't. I really, someone grabbed the wrong mask. Yep. We had a lot of them on set. Someone grabbed the wrong mask. That was it. So, That's kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Because we, we obsess over this yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's how long yeah. we spend with it. We're in message boards, chat rooms, we're mm-hmm. on whatever it might be. We're pouring over the details that these people left behind eons ago. Then we return to it and go, so tell me why. Well, you need more than that. 
you need to set it up. You yeah. need to sort of walk them into some of these things. And then they have their own discovery too. So it enriches their relationship with the art they've created in a lot of ways as well. So wow moments, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, you, like to speak to the kid in me, I, I got to tell you, I don't get starstruck. Like I'm honored to work with everyone I have. Meeting Carpenter the first time was, that's probably as close to a religious experience as I'm ever going to have in life, <laughs> for sure. And then to do a number of things with him over time yeah. has just been amazing. The one time that someone walked in the door and I froze in my tracks was when I was doing Body Bags, which is a Carpenter mm-hmm. and Toby Hooper anthology film. And my whole plan for it was to team John up on commentary with whoever was the primary focus for each segment, because he did the first two and then mm-hmm. Toby did the third. Mm-hmm. The first one was with Robert Carradine. The second one is with Stacy Keach. And then I was going to shoot them on camera afterwards and then cut the documentary together, which I, I did. So John walks in. He's like, I need some coffee. So he goes off and does his thing. Can I smoke up back? Yeah, you can go smoke up back. The door knocks. In walks Robert Carradine. Now, you are sitting across the table right now from one of the biggest Revenge of the Nerds fans <laughs> on planet Earth. Oh, oh, we can have some conversations yeah. now, let me tell you. When he, even him responding, like to say he'd do it, just made me lose my shit. But when he walked in the door and he has this calm, he, he walks in, he's like, Justin? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having me here. And I'm like, thank me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Thank you. Like, right. you're, you are as part of, as ingrained in my world as my parents just about. You've been with me from the beginning. You taught me. Anyway, so I walked in and then, and then, I'm sitting, then I'm sitting in the booth with Sandy King, who's John's wife. And John's in there talking to Robert and they're just trading stories about like his brothers and long riders and all this other stuff. He's just great stories and they're loving it they're laughing they're having fun they come out i shoot the interview with him it's great same thing stacy comes in they're talking about his wig when he was on stage and all this other stuff and they're just like getting to get it's like john has this magic with people that he cares about and to be in the room with that is awe-inspiring like you look at what he does with with Kurt. Oh, Jesus, yes. His yeah. Kurt Russell stuff. Is, man, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Top notch. Definitive for what makes a track special mm-hmm. yeah. is those guys sitting together. But but he can bring that with anyone. It just it matters if he trusts you. It matters if he cares about you. That anyway. makes sense. No, that makes sense because it, it speaks to the chemistry and everything right. uh, that they establish. Right. Um, and it's kind of funny. You mentioned Robert Carradine and the body bags himself. That was when we, was, we saw... Uh, Carpenter play in Chicago last year. I was there too. Were you at that I show? The, I was in the room. Shut up! Oh my god, we were yeah, all there, awesome. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when he, we played the, the theme from Body Bags, yeah. I mean, and there's a guy that turned around, he's like, "What's one of this from?" It's like it's from Body Bags, and he's like, "All right." It was just even that in of itself was such a just a jolt yeah. to mm-hmm. the 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 freaking playset, the the playlist. You know, I was like, "Oh my god, he's playing Body Bags" because yeah. it came out on that little forty five on the vinyl. There's a CD too. Is there? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah there's a CD, and it, and yeah, it's. When I was doing the, because, okay, I'm a little weird. And when I'm working on something, I really like to sort of live in it. And for when I was doing the Body Bags Blu-ray, I had that sound, that score mm-hmm. in my in my dash in my car just on repeat. Like the whole time I was in it, I just wanted to sort of remain in that headspace for it. It's just like when I did, I worked on the theatrical re-release of Silent Night, Deadly Night a few years ago. I was the, me- the media liaison for that. So I was like, that's how I met the producers, actually. Through that way. And because I was setting up stuff with like USA Today and whoever else. And then I was sort of moderating and connecting them with different media outlets and whatever else. Yeah. And when I was doing that, too, while I'm on the while they don't know it, but while we're on the phone and they're doing this interview and stuff, I have the film playing in front of me. It keeps me there. It keeps me grounded in that universe because I don't want to disconnect from that. Yeah. Because what what inspired me when I was eight, like you said, still inspires me to this day and what I, what touches me still touches me to this day too in many ways to a deeper level than it did then so when i'm in it i'm in it i'm like all in and body bags was an example of that for sure and that was a, a thank you i guess i should say for that because having that on a blu-ray in and of itself is amazing plus all yeah. the stuff that went in it as well because that's i know you picked that one up yeah. pretty early oh, on i did when i saw it i'm like holy shit it's body bags that's because that's a, a good like it needs more love you know, it does. The fact that like you're giving it love, it's a good thing. It had to. It it was one that Showtime had neglected. Mm-hmm. 
It was edited in television. It was edit, It was dumped on video with Artisan, and it was a cover that John never saw. He never approved the art on that or anything. Completely unrelated to the film, by the way. If you remember the art for it, the like creature guys creature coming out of the, out out of the, of the body, body bag. bag. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't remember what John and I were working on at the time. We were t- we were talking about something, and body bags came up, and I'm like, you know, man, that really, because he he owns it outright. Oh. And so it was like, uh, that needs a home. That needs to be rediscovered. Mm-hmm. And Shout was in the right in the midst scream of this resurrection of Carpenter moment for them, where mm-hmm. they were just really pouring through his catalog and doing all this stuff. And he had, through that, learned a little bit about them and through, you know, sort of trusted them. So I got everyone on the phone at the same time, and they, we got the deal worked out. There were some conditions, like he said that that cover could not be a part of the, the release at all. That original cover, not even on a reverse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And I want... I want to have approval rights over the art. So that was given, of course. And then and he's like, I want it to be the full film. And it needs to be in its proper aspect ratio. So new transfer was struck, completely uncut film. The cover art, it went back and forth a few times. And, and, you know, he and Jeff were in communication, and he ended up loving it. And then came time to assemble all the extra stuff on it. So... It's, it's one of those things that you talk about giving voice to those without. There are also films that haven't had a voice. Yeah. yeah. And that's the lost John Carpenter film. And it's strange that John Carpenter could technically have a lost film. Yeah. But you talk about the fact that he's kind of even developing a relationship with people from Shout Factory, mm-hmm. Scream Factory, that the uh, Into the Mouth of March Madden, uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness, <laughs> I'm really on brand. Oh, the yeah. Into the Mouth of Madness. That would actually Blu-ray. make sense. He loves basketball. I, that well, would be totally mm, There's the end. <laughs> But yeah, no, yeah. I, fixed, I fixed it for you. You're welcome. There. <laughs> <laughs> totally meant that one. But the fact that he put out um, a new commentary for that one, yeah. th- that he's still then producing stuff and willing to sit down. And the fact that he was smiling so big on stage when we saw him in Chicago, because, you know, I, I we only get to see him as cantankerous John, you know, for the most part, you know, which yeah. it's, just, it's fine. But it was just to see him up there just smiling, showing the devil Jones. rock star and love and life. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's totally. kind of funny, you know, yeah. we talk about us now, you know, the fact that we're still talking about these films 40 years later. You know, I'm thinking about John Carpenter 40 years ago doing Halloween. 40 years now, he'd be on stage Rocking out, yeah. getting ready to put another Halloween movie out. Right. Which, your thoughts on the upcoming Halloween flick? Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, no, okay. I, I have some friends who have. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm excited. I mean, you know, this is go back to the kid in me. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's all I need to know. Question: Is there a new Halloween movie? Answer: Yes. Sold. <laughs> what the hell else do you need, people? Exactly. Quit, quit. <laughs> Just stop. Zoom out. Right. Go see the movie. Log out of your computer. Put your phone in your pocket. Stop thinking about your blog and your review and your whatever else. And think about the fact that in 2018, Michael Myers is going to be on the screen again and John Carpenter's doing the score. Yeah. That's that's that right there alone is worth the ticket price. Seriously. I won't lie, like (laughs) seeing the trailer on the big screen, getting the music. A little tear shut down, and yeah. I know I'm not the only one that kind of stuff happens to. No, I'm I, not afraid I, to admit it. I got hyped just like hearing the, the dun dun dun, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like I'm ten again. It's great. Yeah, no matter what it is, it's a Halloween film, and it's in theaters, and and we should be rejoicing for that. And we're getting it so close to Halloween. We're getting it in October. That mm-hmm. in of itself is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and we get to celebrate that. Um, I'm just trying to kind of going down the line here. You we going from we're going to go all over the place here. Sure, yeah. The yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two. Yeah. Um, and we've always talked about like when these films that are much derived initially start gaining the cult, you know, fan base. Right. Like Halloween Three. Yep. Like that really hit like in the mid two thousands probably. Mm-hmm. But the it's like, internet did that, yeah. and that's just it. And yeah. like you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two. So many people know it as First, a meme for the yeah, most as part. Garbage, garbage day. day. Yeah. So you know, was did you have any kind of like responsibility to try to you know show it's more than just that or is it just like how did you approach it? or how, can you say anything about that since it hasn't been released yet or the the details will be announced soon on the bonus okay. features I mean, okay. I'll, I'll say that so I, I hate to speak generally but oh, I no. have to just for of now course. Right, of course right, right. of course of course um, what I will say is this that I really love that film for a lot of reasons and I discovered it when I was young because it was a sequel to Silent Night, Deadly Night. I didn't know it as this bad film or that <laughs> right. bad. Like, I just knew it for what it was. And it always felt to me 
like a mixtape of the first film and then some new songs. Yeah. Like a band, you know, like Kiss released a live two. <laughs> Kiss released a live two, and it's a concert, it's a great concert, but they tacked on some new songs on the end. You're like, oh man, bonus content, yeah. right? Like new songs. This is the Alive 2 of the horror world in a way. Like, so you get your, your, a lot of key elements from the first one. So anyway, I, yeah. I, I've long liked it. And when it came time to make it, I honestly didn't know what the story would be. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because it's been so underexplored. Because the people involved with it have been silent or invisible or whatever, missing in action for a long time. So it's rare. Like I approach Halloween 4... It was somewhat similar because Dwight had never talked, spoken on it really mm-hmm. historically, but people loved the movie and it had been in magazines and all this other stuff. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 came and went. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it really found its own many years after the fact. And so I walked into it without... I never go in with my own narrative in mind. I just want to do the people justice who are a part of it and let their voices be heard. And whatever shape that takes, it takes. Right. And I think that what comes out of it in the stuff that that we made is the story of something much more than what people have understood it to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it really excites me. This one, like up there with Sleepaway Camp. like Which was a wonderful release as well. That's another one that... Well, that's a story. Those little stories really hadn't been heard. Mm-hmm. And there's something really sweet and romantic and like uh, innocent behind the scenes of that making of that film there were a lot of weird elements to it but that's one like I had no idea that my story for that one would be about Jonathan and Felissa and their relationship and how that impacted everything on set I had no clue but they led me there it's just like when you go to write fiction and you start you don't outline you just start with a scene and it carries you to the next and it carries you to the next you're not worrying about what's down the road you'll find your way there yeah. you always yeah. will as you're creating as you're shooting as you're editing the door is always going to be there you'll get there eventually trust it trust the path and that's what i do and with silent night 2 i'm so excited for people to see this and to really get the full story of its making to hear the voices behind it and to see it for maybe in a different light than what they've given themselves or been given the chance to see it from historically. Yeah, that's and I know that the uh, Shockwaves crew are going to be beyond hyped uh, that this is going to be coming out because yeah. I know that's one and that's probably when I initially probably heard the really the championing of the film. And again, going beyond just it's not a meme. Like there's like um, what's his uh, Garp Billy? No. What's his name? Ricky. Ricky. Thank yeah. you. Like the nuance in what he does in that movie and just some of those scenes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's some like legitimate stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I remember they, I think they actually had him on the podcast. Um, they probably did. Yeah. yeah I mean, so he came it, out recently, like within the last five years or so. And I, and again, just then seeing the actual love for the film, that's mm-hmm. actually, so when you actually get to work with these people, you know, when they get to see the, the fact that people legitimately love these films, yeah. again, it's not an ironic thing. Cause that's right. the other thing as well. Yeah. There's a lot of people that will, yeah, I like sleepaway camp, wink, wink. And it's like, no, there's like, there's some good stuff with sleepaway mm-hmm. camp. Like we always talk about the point we don't, I'm at the age, I don't have guilty pleasures. Right. Like, I just have stuff I pleasures. enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. about pleasures. <laughs> it's just, let the debauchery begin. <laughs> but it's the fact that we have now the kind of these gateways yeah. with these, again, with these blu-rays mm-hmm. and everything that goes on in between them. I, I just, it's, am I kid by the candy store? Like, all the, are, are you actually out there looking at stuff now as well? Just kind of like, as a fan, you know, is there anything out there that you've enjoyed? What do you mean? Just like some of the specialty Blu-rays out there. Oh my gosh, the Suspiria Blu-ray that Synapse oh just did. That they painstakingly like worked on for like how many years? And everyone complained and whatever else, but look at it. Yeah. Like how worth it was that wait for that thing? That is the most mind-blowing thing in so long. I love Criterion's new Night of the Living Dead yeah. that came out. It's another one that I thought... I remember when the Image DVD came out. Do you, did you have that release? Did you have the image disc? It's the one with the little with the, the daughter with the girl. Okay, yeah. That disc had it started out when you hit play on it before the movie begins, with like this grainy VHS. Like this is what you know, Night of the Living Dead to be, and then it's like, and then it cuts to the new transfer, and you're like, what Whoa. the wow? Like that's the first time I've ever had it handed to me so literally. That like we fixed this. Yeah, we found it. We fed it. Look at it now. Yeah. It's a healthy baby. <laughs> and the 
<laughs> that blew me away, and I didn't think it could get better than that. But yeah. that new Criterion release is so stunning. It's just excellent. But we really are, not it's hard to pick out favorites because they're just so damn many. Oh, my God. Bloodhook from Vinegar Syndrome. That... Can we talk about this? <laughs> that is a movie that my friend Jake and I have been obsessed with forever. And I'm always like, God, I love this. And Troma put out this jank, like, print-on-demand DVD of it with a yellow cover. And uh, have you seen Bloodhook? You know, it's, no. It's, I know of it. No. Okay. I've this heard. Film, no. This film, it was shot in the Midwest by uh-huh. Jim Mallon, who's the founder, co-founder of Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it's a, it's this bizarro, ultimately kind of like slasher film mm-hmm. that's set, it's all around fishing, this thing. And it's, so, <laughs> it's, it's this weird thing that's played straight, kind of, but not really, but it's... It's Pseudo just, straight. It's so unique. <laughs> it's like bendy. It's so weird. And, and it's so, like, being in the Midwest, my family from Wisconsin and everything, like, I'd be like, this is my, this is my home. This is whatever. <laughs> so I've always loved this film, this weird old little movie. And I've been toting the videotape around forever. Then I got the trauma DVD that was looked like shit. Right. And, and I'm like, and one day out of the blue, Vinegar Syndrome, you talk the, about resurrecting little oh titles. Oh, my God. They are like... They're like the exorcists from the like, like uh, over the graveyard of dead films. They can bring them up from the grave and like chase the demons away and shake them off and clean them up and then hand them back to you. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, yeah. You're putting this out, and my buddy sends me a screenshot one day, and he just Jake, he just goes, look, and there it was, the cover reveal for Bloodhook, and it's like, oh, and it comes out in like three weeks, and I'm like, ah! and I was at work, and I'm like, holy crap, like this is amazing, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then it came out, and it's even it looks incredible. The the interviews are great. I was gonna say the they covers are great. Everything about it. So that's a great example of one that I literally a hundred percent would have told you six months ago, ten or twelve months ago. Yeah. this is never gonna see Blu-ray. Here we are. Staying on that theme, is there a movie that either one like oh if I could just do this movie and make all the pieces fit, I would or or, or whether the actors are not available or whatever or is there one like man I wish I would have done that movie you know <clears throat> one that I wish I would have gotten the nod on was Night of the Demons from mm-hmm. Scream Factory yeah. because I had what actually kind of got my foot in the door with Fango many years ago is I wrote this massive ridiculously irresponsibly exhaustive exploration of the Night of the Demons franchise well the first three there was that remake kind of yeah. and I mean, the interview roster for it was ridiculous. Wait, it wait, was, did you get to talk to Brian Trenchard Smith? Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I got every, everybody. everybody. Kevin Tenney opened the doors and all these pictures and all this That's, stuff. I got, it was it was amazing. That's cool. A to Z all the way through. And I sent this big bloated thing into Fango, and they're like, Jesus Christ, well, we can't publish this, but we'd love you to write something that's reasonable. So they're like, what else you got? And I had nothing, so I'm like, lied and i'm like well i got this 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 and this they're like we'll take them and i'm like oh shit what do i do now <laughs> yeah, exactly. right so like i better get on top of this and uh but this night of the demons thing i, I really dug deep on it and i had so many great materials i knew everybody who was involved with it and then they didn't even like i didn't even hear about it till it was announced and i was like oh my oh. god like i had all this material and it's a great release everyone who worked good. on it's amazing i'm so yeah. glad that it's out there above all else like it yeah. just needed to be out there and it's really selfish for me to even suggest but but still you're like rats i'm but like no. darn it yeah. rats. You know? yeah. and i would have been that way with tank girl like they yeah. were even on the, they were on the fence about tank girl they're like eh. and to this day it's not a strong performer in terms of sales yeah but they're like what do you got and i'm like the kingdom the keys to the kingdom, ultimately. They're like, okay, let's do it. So that may have pushed it into existence a little more. Well, but that's one that I would have definitely mourned had it come out and I wasn't involved with that either. But it speaks so. to your passion of it, though. And yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. That's, yeah. You know, you love those kind of movies. We did a uh, little fan commentary track for it. And, and it's just one of those films that it's it's fun. Yeah. It's just it's a perfect kind of Halloween film. Yeah. Actually, you know, that's a good question. Uh, what have you been watching here lately? Have you had time to watch anything, uh, especially anything scary here lately? I started the month with... Bride of Frankenstein, nice. and then I went to The Wolfman. So I, I always oh, are, start, you, are you, are you universaling it? I'm huge in the universal stuff. Like that was my gateway when I was little. I do you remember the Crestwood House monster books? Wait a minute, what did the, they? The orange, yes. The orange ones, the orange and white ones, yes. And then the second series was the Purple Spine. Yes, yep. those books. I knew more about. You talk about reading about yes. shit before seeing it. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Those books, when I was little at the library, like it, I was like, I need monsters. And they're like, well, <laughs> we've, we've got these. Yeah. And so I knew the stories behind all these films and all these creatures before even seeing a second of film because I had poured over these and mm-hmm. wore them out. Like my name was the stamp in the back for months Every and months. And, months. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, yeah, I know the I know the Gill Man. Hell yeah, I know the Gill Man. Mm-hmm. Like, which one's your favorite? I don't I don't know. I just I love him. He's You're great. Right. He's whatever. I know that he became a half human later on in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't get me going on that. I love that 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 trio of films is so perfectly an A to Z. That's such a it's a poet an accidentally poetic arc for the for the gill for the man in that thing yeah and like the how terrible man is and what we do to how we fuck with nature and stuff anyway halloween october <laughs> no, that's, I started, that's, that's, that's the beauty it, it, no, we, no that's a very valid point and I we mean, talk like, about like elevated horror is the kind that makes you think and goes beyond just the genre itself where yeah. you can take a socially conscious uh you know a stance on something but right. still make it effective and mm-hmm. scary yeah well the best that's, horror has something to say and sometimes you know, right? the best horror you don't even realize it does that until someone goes yeah by the way did you know that's an analogy for blah blah, blah. oh shit okay well, think about that think about the first one they're invading his territory right yeah. They get in there, they mess with him. He's just trying to defend his stuff. Mm-hmm. The second one, they yank him from his territory. They force him into an environment that's completely unnatural. They mess with him. Mm-hmm. They poke at him. They prod at him. It's like any animal that yeah. we know, right? And then he escapes. He makes his way out. He has to. And the only way to do it is violently, but he had to do it. The third one, they go back. Their technology, mm-hmm. being kerosene and fire, just hurt him in a way that never would have happened had they not come and fucked with his but environment in the first again. place, yeah, right? exactly. And so then they take him onto land, and he almost drowns going where he knows to go, which is back in the water. I can't breathe all of a sudden. What is happening yeah, here? Yeah. His new lungs have kicked into gear. And then he's above, above land, and he's just, or above water, and he's in a cage, all these strange people and all this stuff, and these guys are kind of crappy to this woman, and he's like, I, this isn't what I want. And he's, how, can you think, short of Larry Talbot in the Wolfman arc, any horror film central figure, especially a creature, that has the kind of mature, dark moment to say, I'm going to commit suicide because these people have destroyed me. They're not going to leave me alone. I've Mm -hmm. learned what what they're about. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get away from this and just be done. And he does. It's like in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, where Larry's like, "Heal me, or I want to die." Yeah, that is a huge thing. That's heavy for the for, for monster movies that were really right. aimed at kids at that yeah. point. Initially, they weren't. Then they became that, especially with the re-releases and stuff, right? So you're handing heady material to an audience that usually doesn't have to face that stuff, and it really makes you think. And that's what I think elevates these movies historically. A lot of people blow off sequels. It's not just about the originals, though. They all have their own magic. Yeah. But you, you look at what that says. I mean, look at the power in that moment at the end of Creature Walks Among Us, where he's just making the last shot is him walking toward the water, and you know exactly what's going to happen mm-hmm. next. And that's dark. Yeah. That's trusting the audience with something very challenging. And that's something that not a lot of filmmakers are willing to do, especially in a movie like that. Yeah, because like even back in the end, it was like, let's make a fast buck and make it schlocky, you know. But like That's at it. the same time, crank, crank them out. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, when the monster like that has pathos, those are the kind of monsters. Those are the kind of movies that really stick with you. That really like, like you said, make it adult, give it a message, saying like, look, this is not just fodder for kids. You know, this is this is a legitimate art form because we're connecting with it. Right? Yeah, and and and, yeah. and in that <clears throat> franchise, in that moment, same thing with Wolfman. More than anyone else in those films, you're connecting with what. The monster, the monster. Mm-hmm. beast. So the generation of us that grew up with that now produce films about yeah. the monster. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. People talk about Rob and his Halloween films. It became a story that like Michael was in the shadows. He existed in the ether, in part in the original Halloween. Rob grew up loving the monster. Mm-hmm. Look at his so, album covers. Look at yeah. his music videos and stuff. <laughs> What's he gonna do? He's gonna make his own Frankenstein. Yeah. He's gonna make the film about him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, right? And so there's an, and there's empathetic moments that he's allowed in that film that aren't allowed in the, in, in the original. I mean, part five has a moment in the attic with yeah. the tear. Yeah. yeah, uncle. But you look at Rob on his, or Rob. You look at Michael on his knees in front of Laurie in Rob's Halloween, and he's just trying to connect. And he doesn't know how. There's, yeah. Look at the creature in Creature Walks Among Us. He just he doesn't understand. He wants to figure it out. Once it's clear to him, he's done. That's that's heavy. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Well, like we even talked about, like going back to when we did the uh, fan commentary for Silent Night, Deadly Night, mm-hmm. we put the entire blame of the whole entire movie on the grandpa and the orphanage. Like how complacent they were, you know, they didn't like realize that what's going on with poor Billy is, it, is there's some signs there, you know? So, yeah. yeah, it's the sympathetic ones. It's the ones that like make you really think like, oh. This movie's about alienation, or this movie's <laughs> yeah. about like going through changes or can't fight your inner urges or whatever it is, and that's what's very cool about it, you well, know? Night of the Living Dead is that way. It's yeah. not about the, the ghouls. No. It's about the pressure cooker that is that house. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what is the stove? What is the heat element? It's what's outside. Yeah. But wait, it's worse inside. Mm-hmm. Because here's this asshole. Here's this guy that speaks for every boss we've had who was an ass, like a creep or yep. every whatever it is. Yeah. That's how we're con- we're connecting with this stuff. So, is 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 our horror movies about violence? Are they about blood? Are they about whatever? They're about us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, that's when you I had a chance to watch the new restoration in big screen at, at Screenland Armor actually oh, wow. for night, wow. and it's amazing because there were so many people seeing it for the first time. Oh. And imagine that. Oh, and that's just. I know, right? That's the beauty because that movie still holds up to this day and is more probably relevant today, just given just the culture, just given the the uh, the powder keg that is the environment culture right now. Especially with the ending. Oh, you know, especially with the ending. You could people gasped. Yeah, and I, you know, and again, it's not. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, oh wow, just sharing that that communal moment with them. And having that moment, going, yeah, this is some, this is art. This is again. I know he'll he'll always say he never meant to make a you know a, yeah, a yeah, social yeah. statement, but man, maybe even he didn't. That's even better than mm-hmm. the fact that his work in Rom- what Romero was able to do with that. Yeah, it's just seeing that in a theater, sharing yeah. that experience, and just seeing a film so raw. Was it fifty years old now? Yeah, that's incredible. That's we're like, thinking about the, the you know the Universal monsters. They're seventy, eighty. It's incredible, but the life of the and the fact that we've experienced these things as kids, as teens, as adults, as older adults now, how we see them differently, you know, mm-hmm. and how we process them—it's kind of a nice thing. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. what I've always enjoyed about horror, yeah. horror fans, and the people involved in horror mm-hmm. is everything in between. Yeah. Um, gotta ask, did you see Hereditary? Yes. What were your what? What did you think on that one? I loved it. Okay, I now, thought it. I thought it was astonishing. The two films that have that have really blown me away. And you ask about a movie that I would love to work on the release mm-hmm. of? Uh, I'm not, yeah. not going to be able to. <laughs> it's already in the However. books. Mandy. Oh, yes! Okay. I saw Mandy in the theater. They had that one night limited engagement thing and they had, I drove to, I drove an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to go see it and they had the live Q&A afterwards with, with Panos mm-hmm. and, yep. and all that yep. stuff. I sat in the back of that theater just almost in tears. I was in awe of what I was experiencing. And you know what's interesting? That theater, <laughs> the, the first time I went there was to see, was on opening weekend when it first opened and I lived in the area. I just wanted to see a movie. And they only had one horror film playing. I'd never heard anything about it. It was High Tension. Oh, oh holy shit. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the theater too. That's a crazy, yeah. And going in blind on that? Going blind. And I walked out drenched with everything that that movie is. I loved it. It was <laughs> yeah. such an amazing experience. And so now my bookend for that is Mandy. Oh. When I walk in there by myself and I was just like, sit down with my popcorn, I'm sitting in the back. And I actually bought two tickets for it, didn't end up using one of them, but I'm, she's like, do you want a refund for the other? I'm like, no, 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 support the film. Like, yeah. let them know. Like, this is power. This is what we need to be doing. And I walked out of there, I immediately downloaded the score. Oh, and then it's since then I've just had this love affair with this movie. I bought the VOD. It came out the next day. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've already watched that. Like <laughs> I'm obsessed with this movie. I so I didn't watch the trailer for it, which I think made my experience that much better watching yeah, it. Right. But it was the first movie in so long that I saw in the theater one night, and then I took them the next night. I was like, I'll go and see it again with you guys because I had that same. You guys movie. had multiple night. No, this is what happened. This oh, is this is the story. So he, so I was, I think I was hosting or something, and 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 he goes, hey, I'm gonna go see Mandy, and I'm like, okay, let me know how it is. The next fucking day, he goes, we're we're not even off work yet. It's still like four or five. He yeah. Goes, hey, do you guys want to go see Mandy tonight? I'm like, didn't you just see that last night? He goes, yeah, I'll see it again. You want to go see Mandy tonight? I'm like, goddamn, Dedrick. So like, <laughs> well, I, much like you, it was just one of those films that just washed over me, and I just sat there and just in the glow and the sound and everything working, yeah. and Nick Cage actually really. 
Like he acted. He I mean, asked. like the, he like. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna talk smack on Nick. No, 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 no. no, no I no, legitimately no, 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 think like everyone okay. went in for that rage cage, and right. I and I know they probably walked away disappointed because he legitimately he puts in. He did a fantastic yes. job of that. Right. No, we right. we that never shit on Nick Cage. I legit felt so bad for him in that scene when he's choking down the bottom. That moment in the the very beginning when the guy offers him a beer and he just kind of turns him away and you just know, okay, he's got issues. You know, the both of them, him and then um. Uh, Thor, what is her name that played Mandy? She was so yeah. freaking good in that. Yeah. My favorite part though was in the the credits are coming up and it's like, and Bill Duke is Carruthers. I didn't know Bill Duke was in the movie. <laughs> like three minutes in, I'm like, yes, this is great. We got Bill Duke in this. I'm done. I'm How done. How perfect was that King Crim- King Crimson song? No, it was perfect. Right at the the opening, just right out the gate. That you're like, holy shit, establishes everything for mm-hmm. ambiance in that film. And uh-huh. Ka- Kathleen talked spoke to that in Halloween Four today. Like you think about the opening, oh, the opening. credits for that. It's so that fall. It yeah. settles everything within you, and it speaks so perfectly. Like John didn't have that option, being in Los Angeles, faking yeah. it with leaves that they had to collect and then. Redistribute shit like that, <laughs> palm trees in the background. But it was like the same audience experience because we enjoy these films at Halloween. We watch them at that time of year when the leaves are changing mm-hmm. and all this. So Dwight got it to put us right in that from the beginning. And in Mandy, oh. that melancholy sort of muted sound of that mm. song, the real like palmed guitar. And then that little bit of the synth comes in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just got that undercurrent of like holding notes and stuff. Oh, it's incredible. The whole thing is a masterstroke. That movie. Oh, I, I, the okay. music was ethereal, which was just perfect for yes. the visual, the ethereal aspect. And I'll admit it, I think it's a little indulgent, but I actually, That's because I like the style over the sums, I'm like, I'm good with that indulgence. Well, um, it took me like a, a day process, and a half yeah. to really, like, I'm like, I liked it. Yeah. And then, like, I had to think about it and actually, like, digest it, where I'm like, I really fucking liked yeah. it. And so like, yeah, it was it was a not a learning process, but a definitely a digestion process. But you know how 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 rare is that though? Like usually we walk out and we have a knee jerk reaction one mm-hmm. way or the other, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's so amazing to have a chance to let something to have something sit with us and hang around that long. Mm-hmm. That's proof that Panos did something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's proof that he did something special. And you definitely, its that's one of those ones where you will never forget that movie. For sure. You know, you will never forget For sure. your first Mandy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was High Tension's the same thing. I'll never, oh, yeah. never forget sitting no. in that theater and just being blown away. The ending blew me away. I was not expecting oh. or seeing that. And oh just, God. and then at that time, that was the, um, the kind of with the French extremity when it was first hitting the, sh- yeah. the shores. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. So when you're, you're not expecting no. such amounts of just brutality. brutality at that time in the theater, you know, and, yeah. was, and considerate atmosphere. Like the right. atmosphere was very calculated in that thing, and the colors. Mm-hmm. It's similar. That's that's why I draw the line. The analogy with Mandy and that bookending my experience at that theater was made so much sense because they're two movies that really exist unto themselves. They're they're free almost of genre. They're free of normal sort of storytelling elements sure. and they and they play by their own rules and i love that a lot of people get hung up on the twist and high tension a lot of people get hung up on whatever and mandy but it's like you need to just let this be what it is let yeah. let that the only job that art has is to be yeah yeah stop trying to ask it to do more than that you know it's up to you what you do with it from there and there are definitely like two that. films that i can I, it's again if people don't like them i understand mm-hmm. uh, you know and i'm not going to try to Convince them otherwise because I'll disagree with you on hereditary, but like oh, I'll you definitely... have a predatory. Sorry, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. No, that's it's kind of perfect there. But no, I just it's we're kind of you know with given the the physical media that we're getting with the Blu-rays, mm-hmm. you know, this year especially has been a really good year for just good you know genre films. Horror upgrade was another one yeah. that took a couple of days to kind of process just with the ending and everything like that. that. It's it's very good. Okay. It's, it's well worth your time. Okay, good. It's, good, um, good. It's, I highly it's recommend a, that yeah, one. It's a good Black Mirror episode. Okay. It's, All it's right. a great Black Mirror episode. It's Black Mirror doing a revenge movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm yeah. on board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another one seeing it in the theater. And we're pretty fortunate having uh, the draft house there in the area, Screenland yeah, as well. Yeah, Screenland, yeah. yeah. Being able to have you know the fact that we can see a lot of these films in the theater. Because, again, that's a thing that you miss. Like Mandy in the theater, I cannot imagine seeing that in just... And granted, home theaters have come a long way. Yeah. But that, to me, you just need to be immersed so, in, in it. Yeah, you need to be blanketed by yes. that. That's a great uh, way to put it. A screen as big yep. as you can see with yeah. a system as big as it can be. 
just to just like like you said, full immersion. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. again, I know you you know people can appreciate just it. Just dive in a big old bowl of cheddar goblin and be fine. <laughs> you know? Hereditary, I think, was it's an intriguing film in a lot of ways, and it challenges its audience in a way that I think is very daring. Yeah, because it it, it it's really the story of grief. Yeah, it's the I will story. wholeheartedly agree. And, and and one thing film is not good at is presenting grief in a yeah. realistic way we hide from it yeah we shy away from it and i think it's because it's something we don't want to face in life and so we also tend to scrub that from our entertainment too and especially as horror fans if you're into slasher movies and things body count body count body mm-hmm. count quick kills quick cuts move on it's like that's not life i think that there's a lot in that film there's so much that happens in that movie but one of the most powerful scenes is when she, right after she finds out about her daughter, and she's on the floor in the bedroom, and he's trying to console her but can't say a thing, and all she's screaming is like, I just, I can't do this, I want to die, I can't do this. What else, like, as a parent myself, I'm like, absolutely, I would be doing that same thing. There, there's, there's no doubt. And that's a very real moment that we're very rarely allowed to spend time with. And to tie it to the Halloween franchise, I think Rob does a lot of that with Halloween 2. Halloween 2 is about grief. It's about it's about the resonance of pain, and it's about the resonance of being violated in a lot of ways. Because you're dealing with Laurie and all yeah. that. Because you never see that in the other films. I mean, short of Resurrection, where she's just well, com- they're trying right. to present her as kind of comatose and right. overmedicated mm-hmm. and stuff. Here's someone actually dealing with it as a young person, trying to work her job, trying to go to her therapist, and not even connecting, getting no, frustrated with that. You got Brackett after he finds out what's happened to Annie. Oh, Brad Dorif in that moment, you guys. That's well, I'll watch it and listen. Brad Dorif do anything, Me but he too. definitely. And that's one thing I do really appreciate what Zombie does is bringing in those character actors that can elevate scenes oh like that. Gosh, yeah. That makes. Yep. I don't want to sidetrack here, but you talk about grief and trauma. One of the films that I saw a few years ago that really stuck with me. In fact, I won't lie, it made me cry. But the did you have you seen the invitation yet? No. Okay, I'm not going to say anything then. Right. But it's another one that really deals with grief. Okay. And a very and oh god, as a parent, you may not want to watch that one. Right. That's you talk about how we see you know being a parent now has that changed the way you look at horror movies at this point? That's a great question. It has. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm considerate of more things. I remember seeing antichrist oh god in the theater oh god oh <laughs> and gorgeous film but it started out with a real sort of gut punch mm-hmm. and uh, that was before my what year was that 2010 something like that about that time remember. yeah it was before i had my son and now when i went back to revisit it because i bought the criterion blue some years later and i go back and i can't even like i'm like i can't it's just too much for me at some point i hope that i will but I just sure. can't. So stuff with kids, and um, I'm not a big fan of like rape movies. No, like the, that's the whole rape right. revenge concept. Mm-hmm. I love the revenge part, mm-hmm. but the rape stuff. I mean, and so there, I there there was a moment where I I had a bad car accident a couple years ago, and I was knocked out of action for six months. I was literally on it was like couch ridden for six months. And then I had to go through physical therapy and all the rest of this stuff. You've got a lot of time to think. And it really knocked me out of my orbit in a big way. And I had my son and, um, and he really saw me through that. Like that, that showed me what real strength is, what real, he, he, he's just the most incredible lifeline in the world. And when that was the only time in my life when I've considered like, do I want to continue in the genre? Not that I was forsaking the genre as a whole for this, but I was just like, like, I don't know, something about that moment in my life made me look at everything in a little bit of a different way. And so now the things that I'm involved with, I would never not be involved with something because of content necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely more choosy with things, and I'm thinking about a legacy. And and he, because he's going to be the the one that's handed to, and uh, and I want to hand him something that he can be proud of, and I want to I want to I want to be proud of his dad. You know, that's all that matters yeah. to me in this life is that he's proud of his dad. Yeah, that's it. Damn, that's awesome. You know, as, as many dick and fart jokes as we do on the podcast, it's <laughs> nice to know that occasionally we can have real moments like this, right. and I think it does speak to the power of our shared experiences as film fans, but ultimately as people. Mm-hmm. You know, 
whether we have kids, whether we don't have kids. I know right. we've got listeners that have kids. We've got younger listeners, I'm sure. We've got our older listeners out there, but we've all just, we're all people. Yep. And in today's climate, man, it's nice when we can have moments like this just to... And even come together mm-hmm. for the love of horror, for the yeah. love of, of the Halloween mm-hmm. movies, for the love of anything, for the love of just being together and being with your horror family. Definitely. You know, that's what makes everything, like, with situations like this, the whole convention that we're at now, yeah. makes it so wonderful. And yeah. to be able to talk to you that does, like, really cool stuff in, like, the other aspects of horror and to talk to the people who, like, make the horror, you know, yeah. it's fantastic. It's yeah. such a powerful thing. And right. like you said, it's it's... it's through generations and things, and so it's just even fantastic. And that's the really cool thing, too, is the fact that it is such a generational thing now that the horror fans have kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of those kids Mm -hmm. now also have kids. Uh, It's kind of incredible. But we do need to wrap things up because we do have a few things to go on. Thank you, Justin, for taking the time doing this, man. This is always... Something we enjoy, yeah, like I said, absolutely. especially when we just get to initially Skype with someone and then actually getting to talk yeah. with them. Because you're a git. Yeah. I mean, like, well, <laughs> you're a git. <laughs> it's my honor, guys. Thank no, you. it's thank, thank you. you. And so we'll definitely probably have a few more dispatches here if we don't. Also, we got, you know, as Justin does, he always gives us good content, one way or the other. One. So until uh, the next uh, dispatch here, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.